Greetings, this is the Inspector, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, streaming into your human ear holes. Enjoy! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. From a musty cellar deep in the underground banquet facilities of Area 51, welcome to TalkCast 348, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with a chance of absolutely no tomorrow, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the rest of the gang. In the Peabody Time Tunnel, our technical radical, our button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering, sometimes violent virtuoso. Uh, she's back, she's here, she has no fear. Please welcome Kriana. That's what she said. Usually. From the stacks of her quiet place in the Dank Dungeons Public Literary Conservancy, friend of cyborgs, dining with the lycanthropic elite, and rumored to have a secret quilting society, which we can't talk about because it's a secret, welcome Zombrarian. We can't talk about it. Well, we could, but we won't. Uh, Joining us later in the show, uh, the man who is playing the Nintendo Switch because he can and will and does and just won't stop. The guy who likes really shiny stuff, Awake by Java, joining us later on, which I've said, so that makes it redundant, which makes him redundant. Our guest tonight. From Double Midnight Comics, uh, owner and kind of ringmaster of all things insane that go on, <laughs> Chris Brew. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me back. Well, you know, it's kind of like since we started in radio, you've been with us. And I, I just realized that we go back Don't to that. Don't ever say that, that like that again. First, like what? If you don't get it, I'm not going to explain. Please don't explain that. I'm I, really not going to. But just, just Good. don't. Just don't do it again. Thanks. I was looking at the lineups of uh, when we were on radio, and I think you were on maybe the seventh or eighth show we ever did, because it just coincided yeah. that uh, a very, one of the very early Granite Cons uh, had uh, was just about to occur. That in mm-hmm. fact, it was I think the following weekend, and so it's yep. it's been a long time that mm-hmm. you and I have been doing this. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, like this year, this summer will be around for fifteen years, which is just unbelievable. Wow, so, that's that's yeah. ridiculous, ridiculously yeah. cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in Late April, early May, a young geek's fancy turns to Free Comic Book Day. And and Free Comic Book Day used to be you'd walk into your 
your local comic shop and go, hey, got any free comics? And there'd be like a pile of uh, uh, on a table of like maybe five or ten different titles. And and then there'd be some like uh, bargain tables of stuff uh, if you wanted mm -hmm. to buy some stuff. And and now it's like a street fair. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a circus. That's crazy. I mean, this year at Double Midnight, let's just start off with the fact that last year for a Saturday at 9 a, 8 a.m. opening, people started lining up Friday afternoon. Yes. Yeah, the, <laughs> they, I believe I started at like 11 a.m. on Friday. And the crazier part is the couple that was the first in line last year, they drove up from Virginia. So they drove up here, drove right to the store, and then camped out for like a day, which is just unbelievable. So. Well, and, and you, you don't make that any easier on anybody because the first 100 people in line get all kinds of exclusive free stuff. Yep. Yeah, and this year we're going like over the top because you know, it's our it's our fifteenth anniversary. So like, the first fifteen people in line are going to get like a free one hundred dollar Marvel hog cover, and uh, the first person in line we're just going to like I'm going through the store just grabbing stuff to just throw at people. So um, you know, there's, there's stuff in line. Incentives for like the first fifteen, first, and then the fifteenth, twenty fifth, fiftieth, and a hundred people online, so everybody gets something. So. It's not and like the I said, first hundred people you know, online. They get an exclusive print for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. So we've got uh, you know our good friend Sarah Richard, who we've known forever. Our good friend, uh, yes, to, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We helped her get her start in the in the pony business. So we're going to give out some of the you know the pony covers that she's done for us over the years. Um, so she'll be there and she'll be able to sign them. So and it's going to be cool. I think she was real really like one of our first guests at free comic book day when she was just a local. So it's awesome to have her back. And I mean, one of the things that you've always done and you continue to do to this day is you're bringing in some high powered guests to free comic book day, which is nuts to begin with, but you're also going to have uh, local people there as well so that, you know, they can, they can, get the experience of <laughs> what's what's now known as the the double midnight street fair event yep yeah i mean i think i think we were talking when we have like 18 to 20 artists so uh you know ranging from you know sarah richard and babs tar who's done a uh, background motor motor crush and jokianis who does uh, america over at marvel and then uh, just a bunch of our local friends so, who do uh, their own comics, they do characters, they do prints, um, a lot of great folks. And they, they come and they do the show, they do the, um, the free comic book day every year. So those people that have been doing it for six, seven, eight years now. So they always make a plan to be here with us on the first Saturday in May. So, I mean, so it used to be way back when, you know, there were like 10 or 15 titles now there's up, upwards of 35, 40 different titles. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's quite, a, quite a diversity, and pretty much all the publishers are involved in this. Um, you know, we do 
you know, we do a bunch of those comics. We don't get them all just because they don't, you know, there, there are some titles we just don't carry. It's impossible to carry everything. But uh, in addition to that, we give out, you know, we have other free comics. We have uh, chance for, chances for people to um, participate and get uh, other free comics that are, you know, normally three, four bucks a whack um, just by, like, checking in on Facebook, uh, making a ben- donation to the Hero Initiative. Um, so there's a lot of ways to get more, more than just the free comics that are out that day. So you've got, and then you've got, is Pat running the cosplay event? Yes. Yeah. Well, so we I, have I'm the, not, um, I'm not shocked to know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the, we have the largest, uh, free comic book day costume contest in the country. Um, thanks to Pat. Um, you know, when we first started out, it was like, Hey, let's, have a costume contest and invite people to come in costume. And then the next thing you know, it's it steamrolls and then Pat's, you know, now he's off all over the country doing you know, cosplay contests. So, I mean, there's really no, know, no competition there. So. I mean, if you're talking cosplay events at some of the largest conventions in the United States, Pat's mm-hmm. running them now. Yeah. And yeah, which is unbelievable. <laughs> I don't and find he started it off in a, at all. Actually, I find it perfectly believable. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of. It, it's really cool. It's really cool yeah. from that standpoint. But yeah, so you've got nice the costume. That, you know, the the costume contest is not only you know, you know, we get the the cash prizes and gift certificates and all that stuff, but we have like, you know, the a lot of the conventions in New England kind of back us up. So we have our own cons, massive and in Granite. And then Rhode Island Comic Con and Comic Con and, and KidsCon New England all kind of supporting us um, with uh, tickets for you know to, for us to give away for prizes. So that's pretty awesome as well. Very cool, absolutely cool. Yeah. Um, and then so okay, we've got cosplay, we've got comic books, we've got artists, we've got uh, uh, um, cars in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And and what what's going on in the parking lot this year? Because every year it spills Still. over more and more into that parking lot. Oh yeah, I mean we have you know we have our store which is a good size. Then we have a tent that's going to be out front, and then we're even using like there's a um, there's a vacant spot in our plaza right now. Um, so we use that as kind of like the cosplay photo center, so you can go in there and like you know get your picture taken by uh, Rodney Brown. Uh, we, we post all those online and, um, uh, but yeah, even though we have all that, all those areas that we're using, they're still like, it just spills out all over the place. Cause there's, you know, people lined up around the plaza and then, you know, the, once everybody comes out in costume, it's just like a big party. So we have like, you know, Bumblebee, uh, Transformers replica car and a RoboCop car and the Joker car and, um, just all these things to see and do, so it just it just spills on the sidewalk. So, you know, we actually have to have people out there directing traffic to make sure nobody gets run over. It's crazy. So, essentially, it opens at nine o'clock. Uh, ten. Or, do, or are you opening at eight o'clock? Ten o'clock, mm-hmm. ten. and yeah. then you close at six. Uh, we'll take it. But we'll take it not, till seven. Okay, but you're not done then. 
because then yep. you have an after party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep on going. We go. Um, yeah, we head across the street to uh, spare time bowling, and uh, you know there's people in costume bowling and uh, you know drinks and karaoke. So if you ever you know if you ever wanted to see Pat karaoke live, you can come see that. <laughs> You haven't lived until you've seen that one with a couple of beers. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's gonna go late late in the evening. So. And when that's over, we go full throttle. Six weeks later, into MassiveCon. Yes. And Mass MassiveCon yeah, is so. June twenty fourth and twenty fifth at the DCU Center in Worcester, Mass. Mm-hmm. And that place is a huge, huge arena. Mm-hmm. And I'm just yeah, starting a, to look... It's a great facility. Starting to look at, at some of the th- guys and, and people you've got there going on. Now, MassiveCon, is, is that the biggest event you guys do? Uh, size-wise, yeah. Yep. Uh, what's nice what? is, uh, so we were kind of running, in, we're running into, like, capacity issues in Manchester at uh, Granite State Comic Con. So that's right. why we kind of started looking elsewhere, and the uh, the DCU Center is, is, a, is a great building because it not only has uh, an exhibit hall, but it also connects into their um, our hockey arena. So we've got plenty of room to grow over the next couple of years. So it'll eventually become the the biggest one that we do. Good lord! So you've got pretty quick because we're. I'm sorry. Oh no! I said that could be that could happen pretty quick because we're getting uh, we're we're getting a really good reputation um, with uh, all of our uh, comic creators. um, Just in uh, we have an amazing lineup this year and i think that's only going to get uh, uh bigger and better every year as like the the word gets out about the way we treat people and the way you know we put our comic creators out there you know highlighting them as guests and not just you know an afterthought we put them first so hey, and that's what that's what i was going to say i mean a lot of the conventions have stratified out a lot of them have become uh, autograph conventions or uh, uh, vendor conventions and a Comic-Con really needs to be centered around comics and comic creators and, and artists. That's something that between Massive and GraniteCon, you guys have been doing really well while others have gone different ways. Yeah. Well, we, you know, since we have the shops, we've always kind of, you know, we started off as comic comic book guys you know with the stores and then we recognize that you know without comic books there's no avengers without comic books there's no walking dead you know all these all these properties you know start with you know a writer an artist a colorist a letterer like people making comics and you know that kind of then it kind of goes from there so we kind of can't forget the roots and where we come from. So that's why we kind of make it a point to say like, you know, we're going to announce all of our comic guests first 
they're more well our entertainment guests and our cosplay guests. And then, you know, we try to find a healthy balance uh, throughout, throughout everything. So. And your artist alley, which is, I mean, it's, it's wonderful that we have all these name artists and uh, their stuff is amazing and wonderful, but you're also putting aside a, a, a significant amount of space for artist alley for all the, smaller comics and smaller artists or younger artists who are just starting out or just getting known. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where the cool stuff is. Definitely. You know, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, you can find a lot of unique voices in artist alleys, different stuff. And, you know, when you kind of go around and see what everybody's working on, what everybody's making, um, there's a lot of unique stuff in, in artist alley. And, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, kind of going along with the, the comic roots is we try to keep our artist alley tables really affordable. So we know, you know, if you're, you know, making your own independent comics, it can be tough to kind of, you know, front all this cash and, you know, then uh, you might not make money, you might break even, you know, we want people to make money and come back. And then once they, you know, grow and, and get a following, you know, they'll remember us. So. It's really interesting because, Kriana, remember the first Granite Con that you and I did? And we were sitting at a, a table against the wall, and we looked over and we went, oh, who's that over there in Artist Alley? She looks familiar. And it was Sarah. You don't remember that. <laughs> No one remembers that. Yeah, that. No. Okay, good. Mm. But I mean, you know, it was the kind of thing where some of the artists that we saw 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how long we've all been doing this, are now, yeah. you know, making some serious inroads in, in, uh, in the comic book and, and the comic art business and just doing tremendously well. Mm hmm. So that, that's the fun part. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and also, one of the things that you do is you look for volunteers. And if somebody wants to volunteer, they, all they have to do is go onto your webpage and sign up. And then somebody, I believe it's Scott. No, maybe not. It might be, I, I don't know. <laughs> Sarah, I think Sarah's and, the one. That, that's right. Yep. And mm -hmm. you just have... The, the most amazing group of volunteers working for you for these two events, uh, these three events, actually, because you have a ton of them mm -hmm. at Free Comic Book Day as well. And uh, they come back every year as well because they've gotten to know each other and the artists very well, and, and they work together really well, too. Yeah, you know, we, we call them the, the red shirts. And, um, you know, most of them make it out alive. Uh, some of them don't make it, but, uh, um, you know, they're, they're a great group, Sarah and Chris, who, uh, we had our volunteer, um, volunteer efforts. They really take, we really take care of people, make sure they have a good time, you know, uh, and, uh, like I said, the people just keep coming back year after year cause they just have fun. And it's a good, it's a good team. So. And then three months after MassiveCon, like you have any time at that point, <laughs> is Granite State Comic Con, which is the largest con in northern New England. 
Correct. Yep. Yep. That's. And that's, um, I. That's kind of quick. <laughs> <laughs> and now that, that one is totally out of hand. I've got to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I I remember when Granite Con was that one little room in the back mm-hmm. uh, at the hotel and then spread out into a couple of those other conference rooms. And now it's literally every room that's available for right. that, that two event. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's getting growing pains of its own as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty psyched. Uh, we haven't really put out too much information about it yet. Um, but there's going to be some breaking over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be fast and furious. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be nice. They just did a bunch oh, of renovations sorry. on the hotel. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, they just did a bunch of renovations on the hotel. So it was really nice. Um, you know, we've got some, uh, you know, we broke into two, two, uh, two exhibit halls this year. Um, we should have just the one, but we filled that one up quick. So we added the armory. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun stuff. I know Pat's planning a big, a big after party for his, uh, his nineties after party this year. So I think that's going to be, uh, those are getting very scary. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, over the next, uh, I, the next couple of weeks, we'll be releasing more, uh, more of our comic guests, more of our entertainment guests. I'm trying to get, trying to get one locked in for next week. Uh, make a, a, a cool announcement. I would love to be able to uh, announce that when it's ready. So shoot me an email and let me know. Sure. So in the world of Double Midnight Productions and Double Midnight Comics, once May hits, it's pretty much all about you guys. Free Comic Book Day is May 6th, an event that actually starts May 5th when the line begins. And seriously, mm-hmm. if you drive past Double Midnight in Manchester on Free Comic Book Day, you will see the line that goes literally around the entire plaza, just waiting to get in, as well as a plaza that looks like a carnival, because uh, mm-hmm. it is. Massive Con, July, uh, June 24th and 25th, uh, and we'll, we'll be coming back to you uh, after free comic book day to talk about some of the people who are going to be at massive con. And then in September, when college kids are thinking about going back to school and high school kids are already back in school. Um, one of the best conventions in new England right now, Granite state comic con, September 16th and 17th. And it's all thanks to you guys who started off in a little store in a plaza in Manchester, New Hampshire, is 16 years ago. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. It, oh, it is more insane. You know, you, you guys have always been terrific uh, to us and, and been very welcoming to us at the conventions and stuff. And you're, you're fun to, to, to have, you know, have around. We always have fun at your conventions at Free Comic Book Day. Uh, folks, if you're out there, join them. It's it's a it's a lot of fun, Chris. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, Tom. All right, buddy. We'll be talking you to you soon. All right. All right. Okay. Take, take care. care. All right. Bye. And now, what the heck? Let's do a little bit of news.
Hello, Rangoon. Hey, Java. I wish I was streaming right now so you could see exactly how well I'm multitasking. I'm imagining yeah. <laughs> that you can hear my keyboard clicking now. Actually, it's not nearly as bad as it usually is. Oh. Okay, well, so what are you multitasking at? Definitely not What Guild game Wars. are you playing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, guess what? You know that Indiana Jones uh -oh. movie You're that pregnant. was never supposed to happen? Again. Yeah, it's no. going to happen. No, that's never going to happen again. Um, <laughs> the... <clears throat> The uh, the release date for Indiana Jones Five is now going to be July tenth, twenty twenty. No. So, yep. No. Yeah, it was supposed this to be. Can't this can't be Indiana Jones Five because there is no Indiana Jones Four. Well, you know what? Here's the no. There well, just because they can't exist. count doesn't mean it can't happen. <laughs> there has to have been an in in Indiana Jones 4 because otherwise we can't have an Indiana Jones 5 because it's only the odd movies that are good. You like Just because we have nostalgia for Temple of Doom doesn't make it a good movie. I'm sorry. It wasn't a bad movie. There's a difference between a bad movie that is still entertaining, i.e. some of my favorite movies in existence, and there's the Crystal Skull. Like, but it's been pushed back a year. So oh. you have another year to cope. Also, poor Harrison Ford. Like, the poor man. <laughs> the, poor, the poor man. Well, why? He's um, just going to crash another plane if he can. And, you know, break another hip and... Do another Indiana Jones movie. He'll be fine. You yeah. have to admit, he does <laughs> show severe, extreme dedication to doing his own stunts. <laughs> Which is um, why he's not doing another Star life. Wars movie. <laughs> oh, good he lord. Star Wars ankle to shooting Star Wars and then was like, I'm going to crash a plane and walked off from that. Yeah. Like, how do you break an ankle on a door and then walk away from a plane crash? Because Carefully. Indiana Jones, that's why. <laughs> yep. Anyway, okay, yeah. that's how that's how Han Solo rolls. In fact, um, he should be reprising his Han Solo role, I think, in episode nine, which is slated to now come out on May twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. That's uh, Colin Trevorrow's Star Wars movie, which will um, come after the Star Wars: um, The Last Jedi. So. Something to look forward to. And the dancing dinosaur means that it's time to talk about something else. Frozen 2? No. The Lion King live I'm, action? Absolutely not. How, how about, uh, well, as we're recording this, uh, the Writers Guild of America just authorized their strike. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what happens, huh? Mm. Because basically, if by May 9th they don't reach uh, an agreement, and right now they're $300 plus million dollars apart, uh, they go on strike. Uh, the new television season goes in the dump, 
and films that are in the midst of going into production stop dead. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, I mean, here's the thing about this current strike. It's not at all like the last one. So studios did not have time to, to stock up on scripts. Um, it, there are shows nope, that are just going to go... they snuck this one right in. There, there are shows that are just going to go right off the air um, immediately. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with it. Um, I mean, the, 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 the good thing of the, uh, a writer strike means less things to watch, which doesn't really bother me personally, because it means that things that shouldn't ever have been made don't get made. Um, but it, and it also Maybe. means that independent, independent, um, projects like the Dr. Horrible sing-along blog come out, which just, it makes worms the cockles of my heart. So. Yeah, it does kind of open up the uh, floodgates. Yeah, because putting people out of work uh, makes things awesome. <laughs> no, 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 that's not... <laughs> that's kind of how it sounds right now. Just saying. The, the, it, it makes a, it, it makes this, the, I, I don't know. It, it, it also it, fucks up perfectly awesome projects and makes them never awesome again, like Heroes. Well, yeah, it kind of did kill me. I mean, like, for every good thing, there, no, 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 no. there's a bad thing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, there, there's a wide variety of things. All. It's just the, there's there's going to be there's going to be fallout. And the question is, what is that going to look like when studios haven't had a chance to prepare for it? Um, well, it's not only that, but the 07 strike, uh, basically, the writers lost over two hundred and eighty million dollars in compensation that according to AMPTP was never recovered. So, I mean, you know, people took a real hit. Writers took a real financial hit to make the point that they wanted to make. And that's, uh, that's difficult. That's very difficult. And it only went for four months. It went from November of 07 to February of 08. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I'm kind of predicting that it's not going to actually happen, but we'll see. Well, they've only got uh, two weeks to figure it out, or it does happen, and that's going to be a problem. You know, last week we were talking about Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. And all the concerns that we had with uh, everything that's been going on with it. And io9 had a wonderful story yesterday titled, What the Fuck is Going On with Star Trek Discovery? And for them, it's a, an incredibly long article. Uh, it is. It's they, a very uh, long form article. And it pretty much breaks down the history of the show and all the things that are going on with it, as well as, you know, bringing up this question of, so is it going to happen or not? Because it uh, seems like yeah. it's not sure. And it seems like it's not sure. And IO9's feeling is it's probably not going to. 
which is which is unfortunate because there's there's such a i think that there's there's such an interest and such a demand and and everything looked really great about it um and the the loss of ryan fuller was huge ryan fuller's walk away was absolutely huge then the fact that they announced it and then spent an entire year pushing the date back and not announcing a cast for any of it. And then when finally announcing a cast, pushed it back again. And this ugly little paywall routine, which uh, was supposed to coincide with the 50th anniversary. And they've missed that by six months already. Well, and it's just talking about projects is great. Putting money towards projects is great, but eventually something has to give. And I think that one of the things that they brought up in the article was the, were some of the reasons that surrounded Brian Fuller's exit um, or reduction in the role he was going to play. And this is just, this is a, a, you know, another example of a network who doesn't have confidence in showrunners to build a show that people want to watch. It's business getting in the way of creation. Well, that and and CBS took great pains to stifle the fan community from doing fan films, putting out a a series of rather uh, demagogic rules and regulations. And, you know, the fan film has always been a big part of the uh, fandom of the Star Trek universe and it, it's very cool up until a year ago the, the kind of stuff that was coming out of it yep and that was just a damn shame and there's nothing you know there's nothing to be done about it It's we gotta sit and watch this it slowly Collapse. Crash and burn. Yeah. And I mean, Doug Jones got cast into it at, at one point. I hope that's still a part of it, but I don't know. Um, I mean, there, there's a wonderful quote in the, uh, in the article that says, whatever else CBS has done with Star Trek in the past couple of years, they've managed to turn Discovery into a joke. It's like a myth. We've all heard about it. And have been told it's wonderful, but nobody has any actual proof it exists. <laughs> well, and something that absolutely point. does exist is the Captain Marvel movie. Um, and, you know, there's lots of news surrounding that right now, especially um, with the ramp up into the summer superhero blockbuster season. Um, you know, I, I think that cast, did, have we talked about Brie Larson? being cast we have not um not at all which is an interesting thing if you haven't seen anything with brie larson um you know she was she just got an oscar or she was a not she won an oscar for room right and she was also the female lead in kong skull island is that right i think so and that movie got some very critical uh, 
some very critically good reviews. Um, it's an interesting casting. I don't know. Captain Marvel is one of those characters that I'm not very familiar with. So I don't. I I don't know that a lot of people are familiar with it, and I, I sure wasn't. But you you know, uh, Marvel doing female centric movies, not something we see a lot of. So I'm looking forward to it from that aspect as well. I'm also yeah, really that hoping him. that if Captain Marvel goes well, they take that hint and make Miss um, uh, Marvel, which has been very, very successful for them as a new comic yeah, franchise. Um, I really That's hope that true. they take the new Miss Marvel and make her. And make her a movie. Because every time I hand that comic book to a kid. And explain what it's about. Their eyes just light up. They're so excited to read it. And it's it's good work. And it's it's, uh, it's a fun series. No question about it. We had talked at that one point about. Squirrel Girl. I don't oh understand God. that one at all. I love Squirrel Girl. It's oh so yeah, and funny. it's she's going to be in a movie too, right? I thought that there was an actress who said that she would like she would want to play Squirrel Girl, but I don't remember them actually saying that. Yes, Squirrel Girl is going to be in the movie. I think Squirrel Girl is part of uh, one of the Marvel TV series that's coming up. Yes, it is. Um, because they're going to do oh teen Avengers. Is that it? Is that that's what correct? Yes. Yes. Um oh, like Teen Titans. Kind of. Yeah. Um so and who was it? Oh it, uh, um, Barbara, right? Anna Kendrick said that she would wanted to be it, but she wouldn't be a, a television series role. Um yeah. Shannon Purser. Who was Barb in Stranger Things said that she would want to that's be who oh, that's who that's right. I remember yes. thinking, oh, she would be a perfect squirrel girl. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sure I, we didn't get to see much. Huh? No, it is. From she, me, she... it is. <laughs> we didn't see much of her in Stranger Things to be, you know. But Clear. that True, was also but, uh, the point. And the <laughs> fact that she became such a beloved character after seeing nothing of her, I feel like that's or very little, yeah. well of her. <laughs> I suppose it does. Uh, it was an interesting uh, water cooler conversation uh, that I had this week that began with, did you see Ghost in the Shell? No, because... And the answer was, why would I have bothered? He said, I, well, you're one up on me. I'm really sorry I did. Uh, I mean, it didn't do well at the box office. It didn't do well uh, with the critical geeks. Uh, it didn't do anything. It was another one of those, hey, let's do an anime film and not really understand anything about it. 
which is going to have to happen a bunch of a bunch more times before people start to you know really get how to do anime as live action you know well, it's and one here's of, my thing they're gonna go over and over and say oh they just can't anime as live action just doesn't work anime as live action just doesn't work and they won't acknowledge ever that it had you know a lot to do with bad casting decisions they made Boy, it had like 75% decisions of- and it fucked them and they will never admit that well and, and they, they and- also gutted the story yeah yeah, the, in order the, the to problem is that there's there's so much um, Ghost in the Shell has so much um, nuance, and the problem was not that it was translated into a live action. I don't even think that the cast. I mean, there there were issues with casting, of course. That I'm going to acknowledge that. But like for example, if it had been a better written movie, that would have impacted it. But it wasn't right. written. Absolutely as well as it should have been. And so you can't ask an actor to do much with a poorly written movie um, or a poorly shot movie or a poorly designed movie. And, you know, so you've got to like, you've got to give them a little bit of a, of wiggle room there as actor actors. Um, Yeah. But by poor casting decisions, I don't necessarily mean they cast people who are bad. I just mean they cast people who are not right for the roles that they were cast in. Exactly, exactly. And and the uh, the but other I mean, is that when you do, when you're talking about something as co- like really Ghost in the Shell is just where you're going to go for your for for trying this this transition to a live action. That's why I, I like what Disney is doing with um with Beauty and the Beast and with uh, Cinderella. They're they're letting those franchises be reimagined they're letting the director and the producers and the writers remake those movies um within constraints you know in order to fit better with the 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 expression that live action is going to make because you can't just take an original yeah you can't just take an animated movie and then and then say okay now we're going to do it live action Shot for shot. And let's do it exactly shot for shot. And that, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, here, here's... Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Because, because it's just... You're, you're not... You're ignoring the thematic elements that made Ghost in the Shell the franchise that it was. The, the, the intellectual property that it was. Not to mention all the cultural ramifications that come along with it. It's like, it's like when you try to teach a novel uh, to... That, that has um, a an adult protagonist to children. Um, I, I run into this all the time when I try to teach a, a, a book like Fahrenheit 451 to ninth graders. It's a stretch to understand what it's mm-hmm. like to be a 30-year-old person who's been working in a profession for thir- 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it takes a lot of effort for a teenager to get their mind wrapped around that. And how hard is it for a, uh, a white upper class, um, Hollywood producer to wrap their mind around what ghost in the shell is trying to talk about. The, the problem stems. There's, there's a whole lot of cultural issues as well 
because there are things that got just viscerally gutted from from the uh, from the soul of that movie, and and it's a shame. I mean, there was some wonderful stuff in the original uh, in the originals that's just it, it got it got flattened and and, and lost virtually 90%. And, you know, the, the one place where they could have excelled in the, uh, in the special effects, those were even kind of half-hearted. So it doesn't, it doesn't look like it was <clears throat> given a chance to do anything it should have been. Well, and it's just a matter of somebody doing it right. You know, once somebody does it right, hopefully people will start to, clue into to how to do it but i mean don't come to me asking how to do d don't take um howl's moving castle and try to try to make it live action because i have no idea how you do that you know well, like you know if, if you take and, and you look at and ghost in the shell <clears throat> and then you look at blade runner okay and blade runner is based on a book called do androids dream of electric sheep loosely the decision was clearly made that we're leaving about 70% of the themology from that original novel out. We're not going to deal with it. There's a whole religious aspect and religion aspect to that book that never appears in the movie in any way, shape, or form. And yet, the decision was clearly also made that the parts that we are keeping, the, the society, the government, uh, <clears throat> the whole idea, <clears throat> excuse me, of replicants and, and, and what that does to society, uh, that we're going to explore in depth and keep that intact. I don't understand what they kept intact from Ghost in the Shell at all. Um, it's like pretty every girl, movie that ever pretty girl was adapted from a book now. by Philip K. Dick. What, what was that, Kriana? It's like watching any movie that was ever adapted from a book by Philip K. Dick. You missed part of the conversation. I, I didn't, actually. <laughs> no, I think that you're right. I think that it's just, it, it, when you look at Philip K. Dick's work, and we've had this, this is deja, I'm having deja. When you look at that kind of work, it's not going to translate perfectly into a film. So you have to make a de decision about what you're going to keep and what you're not. And most of the time, the be. decisions made are very, very poor or non-existent, and they're just incidental to the actual film, which is a huge problem. Yes, absolutely. It, with the major well, exception being, do androids dream of electric sheep? Absolutely, yeah. The basically, well, the every, only exception that those, I've ever seen. For every one of those, you've got 10 or 15 of the other ones. So there's no question Every, every other is, movie I've ever seen... That was from one of his books. Has been an absolute mess. Yeah, it, the, one of the one of the things that is um, that comes to mind is Dune. Dune is a fantastic oh, novel. Lord, yes. It's beautiful and and it and it's wonderful and it's been treated horribly on both the silver screen and the and the small screen. So I don't you know, know. I don't think the miniseries was too bad. It wasn't too bad, low but budget, it was also but... it was it was very low budget and it and it was you know. Because of that, its scope was limited, and um, one of was the that the Kyle McLaughlin series? No, that's um, that's the movie. That's the David Lynch movie. Oh, 
Oh, um, okay. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know. No, we're talking about the Siffy one. Yeah. The, it, was, oh, it was okay. Yeah, okay. It was okay. It didn't. It didn't give me the fizzle that I that I was looking. I would for. go so far as to say it is the best one that currently exists. Yeah, but they're they're looking at doing another one. They're looking at doing another um, treatment of it, and. Um, I'm not sure what it's going to end up as. It's probably going to be a television show. It's probably going to be bad, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things <laughs> where you you really have to decide. Like, you, there's no way the complexity of the Dune the Dune series is going to make its way into um, um, media that is going to be popular. Because, and this comes back to the difference between novels. Uh, and every other type of entertainment, almost. Reading is hard. Yeah. Wow. And <laughs> That's what we got out of this. It is. It's reading. Wow. Reading is hard. And your brain life. works a lot when you're reading. And that's because there's a lot of stuff going on in your brain meat while you're reading. And you when you try to put all that stuff into a television show, you change the channel. Because hard. And bad. Uh, and that that's a cultural shift that we've gone through as well. And that's a damn shame. I mean, that's I, an attention span issue. I don't think it is. I, I, think I would TV, also disagree with that statement. I think I would TV also has always been pretty... It's not a cultural shift at all. Kids are being no. encouraged to read more, but I don't think anyone enjoys it more. People who enjoy it enjoy it, and people who don't, don't. I think... I wish it was that simple. The other thing is, is that we, we have absolutely seen um, television taking on more complicated stories um, and doing a good job with them. You know, Black Mirror is mm -hmm. an example, and you oh, know, sure even I don't watch. Even, uh, it, well, yeah, but you are not everyone. I know. And also, like when you look at something, even something like Game of Thrones. Okay, Game of Thrones is a simplified version of the novels, right? But uh, it's not... I don't know. I think it's a different form of the novels. I wouldn't say it's simplified. They changed things, but I don't it's... know that they made it simpler. I don't know. I think that they. When was the last time you read the novels? It was a while ago, but the, part of part of the um, the things that I enjoy, well, like for example, the whole thing with um, Catelyn after she dies, um, but Madame Lady Bloodheart is that what it is? That was <laughs> yeah, completely cut in, and and that added a another piece of complexity that, to the political spectrum in the north before all of this stuff so i i, I don't know maybe not sim maybe simplification isn't the the exactly the right word but um i mean there's just things that you can't do in the scope of a television show even an epic one that has the kind of viewership that game of thrones has got i would disagree being okay. able to and choosing not to are two different things I, I think I think there's some conscious choices being made to. Uh, I don't know why they make the choices that they make, but I don't think it's because they can't. 
I think it's because they chose not to, and I don't care to speculate as to why. Well, I think a lot of them are economic in one form or another. Possibly, but I mean, really can anyone follow George R. R. Martin's complexity? Um, uh, hmm, no. I don't really care. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know that he can. I, I don't think can. he remembers half the shit he writes. So I guarantee he doesn't. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think he's flat out said, I have to go back and look. On that computer that's 30 years old that I write on. It's not a computer. That Commodore 64, he's been working on. It's a typewriter with a screen, let's be honest. I think they called that a word (laughs) processor back in the day. They did. But I'm not sure. I remember the... Ah, well, once again, we've failed to solve the world's problems of geekdom. Shoot, was that our goal? I hate... Uh, No. That was not on the agenda. Ah. So coming up on the show in the next couple of weeks, next Saturday, The Nerd Magician. This will be interesting. Having a magician on the video should be fun. After that, being Kofo for joins us. Right. And on the Talk about free comic book day, Mastercon, and a grand con. Thanks to the gang, Buddy Time Tunnel, the sweetheart, Sam Portiana, and Winifred Sombrero. Thank you so much, ladies. I do stuff sometimes. Occasionally. Back from the thunder snow, and thanks for all the fish, Java. Uh, bye. There's more stuff. <laughs> this is Don't Saying Terry and Jeannie. Shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody.